that hard <laughs> yeah i kind of was looking at the time going okay but i wanted to ask that last question because i wanted to hear what you guys had to say so what are you guys doing to get through this stuff are you trying to do anything to you know how are you easing the pain so to speak i'm barely watching the games anymore like they're on tv but like i'm not actively watching it's just, I can't do it. I, I just, I can't possibly sit down for three hours every fucking night and watch his team lose anymore. I just can't take it, man. Yeah. Brutal, I can't watch more than brutal once Brutal shit. And it's usually once every two weeks, to be honest with you, because I can't. It's just, it's so ugly. And, like, I legit looked at that crowd at the Islanders game, and I was like, ooh. I'm like, this is rough. Like, this is I had is some people bad. in the building last night send me pictures of the sections they were in, and it's empty. There's like three yeah. people in the same oh. section. I'm like, bro, what is happening? But of course, it's Jake Voracek. We thought it was going to be a COVID. Uh, yep. It's the passports. And, that's hilarious. <laughs> and then the other excuse was, oh, well, this this game was a rescheduled game, so people couldn't square their schedules. <laughs> it's like, you know, come on. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because Ant San Filippo did uh, tweet out that there were significant numbers of people with but the, I have tickets for the game tonight. It's against Detroit, right? And they're like, you know, I'm no. glad that that ended up being. I thought I was fucking nuts because I had Detroit on my schedule written down here, mm. and I'm like, why are they playing the Islanders back to back? Did I fuck that up, or was that a thing? And so, glad it wasn't me. Yeah. So speaking of uh, some injured players and the threat of injury, um, I was listening to Chris Terry and uh, on Snow the goalie, our friends over there, and um, you know, he mentioned something that. I think resonated a lot to me was that yeah, obviously Claude Giroux has got to be traded before the deadline, but the flyers got to do it now because if he, if God forbid he gets injured and he's out for the rest of the season okay? and the injury bug, did he fuck up his wrist last night? There was a, there was some, some rumor about an, a wrist issue. I think I saw one of the beat writers. Maybe it was Charlie he looked like or he was favoring it after the game. The camera was on yeah. him because everyone is going in, and he's there like, my fucking yep. wrist! And apparently he wasn't available for the media, but I haven't heard anything today, so I guess it's not too bad. But I think it's okay. That's exactly the kind of thing. Is, you know, he gets a slash on the wrist. His, his wrist is broken for the rest of the season, and then we can't trade him. And then this... You know, there's a first round pick who you can't have because Giroux is sitting at home playing with his children with a broken hand. Like, it's just like you need to trade him now. And I agree with what 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 Tarion was saying was that, you know, even if your return isn't maximized, if you don't wait till, you know, the day before the deadline and you don't get that extra third round pick for him, who cares? 
you need to get the first rounder first and foremost and or that high level younger prospect player that has the real high upside. You know, whatever that package might be, but I don't care about those ancillary third round picks. If you wait at the right time, yeah. you can get that. Who gives a shit? Because the risk isn't worth it. You need to get rid of him. And at this point, this seems clearly going nowhere. I mean, it's obvious. You have to be on Mars not to know that at this point. So why not try to trade Giroux now? And, you know, we're not behind the scenes, so we don't know what other teams are saying and whatnot. But I'm sure, you know, Chuck Fletcher makes a lot of phone calls. He's, you know, he's said as much in the past. He knows all the GMs. He's been in GM here for some time now. I am very confident that if he wanted to make a deal happen, he could get a couple interested GMs on the line and try to get the best deal at this point. I think it's an emotional thing. I think that they're just scared of trading the franchise away and all that bullshit, even though they have to be over it at this point because it's fucking meaningless. But, um, you know, I, I just think the longer they wait, the more likely it is this injury bug catches up to Claude Giroux. I don't know. Like, if it comes out, that that he denied the Flyers from trading him simply to just sit through this for the rest of the season because he wants to be in town still. Like, I'm sorry, that like that's just totally unacceptable to me. It's like, dude, you're a fucking professional athlete. You've been treated like utter gold here for 15 years. You know, you gotten paid through the ass with a huge fucking contract. Like, come on. At some point, just let it go. Go try to win somewhere. Like you're not going to play hockey forever. You've only got a few years max left He's in this. So, <sighs> yeah, I mean, just just got, let what, it go, Claude. Years, let it go. Max? It's just like it's time to move on, bud. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. like I'm sure that I'm sure that Chuck Fletcher is not going to be trading Claude Drew to the Arizona Coyotes. Like <laughs> that's not happening. He's going to go to a to a team that is going to be in the playoffs. That's going to have a legitimate chance to make some noise. That's all you can ask for if you're Claude Giroux. You're only there for a couple of months with that team. You've got more money than God. You were here for 15 years without any movement at all. Come on. Let it fucking go. And if you he know? wants to come back next year, that's fine. But he could sign for like $2 million so you're not fucking up anything here. I don't want him back. I don't want him back. He's part of the leadership group. I don't want him here. No. If he's here for another three years, it's the same shit we're seeing now. I do not want him here under any circumstances whatsoever. Unless this team goes out and gets Leon Dreisaitl, Patrick Kane, Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, fine. Then, fine. Now we're cooking. You want to come back, fine. But if it's going to be the same shit we have now with, with Giroux and Coots and JVR and Hazy, like, no, it, it, it's the same thing. I don't want him back. The time is expired. Ding, ding, ding. It's over. Thank you for 15 years. I don't want him back. I don't care if he comes back for free. I don't want you anymore. Thank you for your service. It's over. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you want Phil Kessel to be traded first? and have Arizona set the market for what a forward at the trade deadline is going to go for? Or are you confident enough that Giroux is versatile and can play center or wing and that he's better than Phil Kessel anyways, and that he'd be more in demand than Phil Kessel anyways, that no matter what, he's going to get more than uh, of a return than Phil Kessel. What I mean, Giroux is getting more of a return than Phil Kessel. I wouldn't. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. But having Arizona set the market, if they're going to go out there and swindle teams of multiple draft picks at one time, 
maybe having them sell somebody who's a step below in Phil Kessel at a high price could help the Flyers negotiate. Say, hey, this 40-year-old fat ass just got signed for fucking, you know, four draft picks. You can give us more for, you know, Giroux. That might work. But, I mean, I don't think they're on the same playing field in terms of trade value, just straight up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if if you need Phil Kessel to set the trade market. I think that Giroux is such a known entity. I mean, you had, like, you know, I mentioned last week, um, you know, the name um, uh, Blake Coleman. I think he fetched, like, a first-round pick the other year when Tampa yeah. acquired him during the run. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, you just, like, look at that. Like, I don't think there's any better returns in the league. Um, you know, I don't think some GM is going to play dumb with Chuck Fletcher about that. Um, yeah. So I don't think that you need to wait that long. Like, I mean, I guess the other GMs will try to squeeze you as best they can, but um, you know, it also helps the other team to get Claude in the lineup earlier. Like, would you rather have a Claude Giroux in January through the end of the season or get him on March 28th? Yeah. I mean, probably the now. Last time somebody like Giroux hit the trade, you know, deadline market. Maybe like prime Rick Nash years ago. <laughs> like, it's yeah. been a long time. Um, like, it's a good question. Maybe Mark Stone. Yeah, when he yeah, was traded. That's a good yeah, Stone. but it doesn't have I mean, players like that don't come up very often at a trade. Day yeah, one. yeah, and Mark Stone's at his prime. You know, that's true. So that's a little bit different. Yeah, hmm. um, yeah, it's pretty rare. You know, a guy like Giroux who can really help your team offensively. Um, I think would I would if I was another team, I would want to get him in my lineup much sooner rather than later. And I wouldn't really give a flying fuck if it cost me an extra second round pick at that point. Like who really cares? I mean if you're going in for Giroux, like that team's clearly gonna win, so the draft pick shouldn't, you know, matter anyway, be life or death. So mm-hmm. you should be able to get an extra pick for him. That mm-hmm. is my biggest pet peeve of anything that from the fans when you have somebody like JVR who's playing like shit and they go well we can't trade him now because his value is low but then he starts playing better circular bullshit he starts playing better and then you go but we can't trade him now because he's playing well and it's like bro it's just rounded it's the it is complete incompetence like I hear that I'm so glad you brought that up Dan that boils my blood when I hear that shit it's like what do you want to (laughs) do like you have to either go left or right you're just going in a circle doing nothing like just existing <laughs> it's the same thing oh the same God. they just don't want to give them on the players people are so attached yeah. to these current they're players. so attached and oh I, I can't yeah. even believe it how is it fucking possible that anybody with two fucking brain cells to rub together can be a fan of travis connectney or jvr or sean Couturier or like anybody on this current team i don't understand why like does people not watch other hockey teams anywhere else like, I, I just don't understand how you can be like, these are the best yeah. players. There's nobody better than Travis Konechny. It's like, fuck off! Just, I can't believe when people on a daily basis I have to deal with that are like, Travis Konechny's great. It's like, fuck, man. Fuck! I can't take it. <laughs> see, see, that's the thing, is we give these guys too long of a leash. And, oh, that, yeah. and totally. I've, been, I've been complaining about this for a long time. This team mm-hmm. makes takes way too long to make decisions on yes. personnel. Obviously Shane Wright is in a different category. Although there there's some scouts now that are a little bit down on he hasn't really been that dominant this year for whatever reason, but that he's means still the Flyers are getting him. Undoubtedly. Still, 
still over a point a game guy. They're like, winning the still... lottery. They're going to get Shane Wright, and he's going to be fucking Nolan Patrick 2.0. Oh, no, that is don't just say that. the way this shit goes, man. <laughs> He's better than Nolan Patrick. Well, I'm better than well, Nolan Patrick. That doesn't mean much. They're going to have to hope for that. I just think they need to, you know, and we talked about this the other week, too. Is they just have to hit in the top. I want them to have top five picks. I, You know, I mean, if they're number one, number two, that's fantastic. You need, fantastic, like, two but... stars to build around. Just give me yes, two fucking exactly. people to fucking build a two team stars. around. Two stars. That's all you yeah. need. You can build a team around give two me... people. Give me the Stamkos and Hedman. Give me the Kane and Taze. Give me Give the Crosby, Lucas, Mike, Raymond, and Moe Mo you know? Sider. Like, that's what yeah. I want. Like, that's what you need. Yes. And you can build a team around Totally them, right. You, know? you got totally a team right. full of young guys. You got Faraby and Forrester. You know, guys like that, I think, are going to be good NHLers. But I don't think they're superstars. You need two young guys to insulate them with. Like, God, man. It's yeah. so frustrating. No, but they're, they're really good pieces to supplement <laughs> those guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the, the whole thing. thing. But the thing they're going to do is they're going to try to bypass that. They're going to take the shortcut, which is what they always try to do and say, oh, well, you know, we already have these guys. We have confidence in them. And, you know, we think we can build around them exclusively. And it's going to start over. They're going to have these guys that are meant to be middle sixers or, you know, uh, three, four defensemen and force them to try to play above their heads for their NHL careers. And it's never going to get them anywhere. It's just, just these guys have to be slotted where they are appropriately slotted. That's yeah. just the thing is that's, that's how they got into this mess is asking all these guys to do more than what they're capable of, but you need to be able to hold people accountable at the same time. And that's the problem here is that nobody in this locker room wants to hold others accountable because it's considered they're being mean or they're being a, you know, a bad seat in the locker room or, you know, we're not going to be friends with him if we tell him he's doing something wrong. We're, you know, we're so afraid to criticize each other and stuff. And that's not how you establish winning cultures. It's just not. And I think the proof is in the pudding with this Flyers team, because every single year we hear these guys are best friends. They're so close with each other. This yeah. is the best luck. No, it's just you just don't want to criticize each other nobody wants to get in somebody's face and says dude you're fucking up all the time do it like this like that's the problem with that's all why i think stuff. you got to tear this down to the studs yes that's the kind of fucking mentality that's going to poison everything yes. no matter how many people you move if there's one yep. person left they're gonna fuck it up you know you gotta get rid of everybody that's yeah. been here long term because that's the kind of shit that's the hard stuff to break i was talking about during the show yep. getting a defenseman is easy getting a goaltender is easy Fucking trying to break up a goddamn we're best friends mentality is horseshit. You know, it's impossible. You got to get rid that's of the poison. everybody. That's the poison that's gone through. And that's why I always have these problems of, you know, all the Provorovs and the Farabees and, you know, these guys coming in because they're learning how guys like Drew and Couturier and Voracek yep. and Simmons and JVR and Lawton and uh, Matt Reed, like they're learning how those guys interacted with each other. We're all friends. We don't want to say somebody's doing something wrong because we're friends. And so all these new guys interact with each other at that level. So the poison just keeps going from era to era to era to era and then we're seeing that's why guys aren't developing that's why guys aren't hitting their ceilings that's why they're coming out flat all the time that's why they give up leads in the third periods like it's the same rerun over and over again because the poison just keeps permeating from era to era to era that's the fucking problem (laughs) i agree i mean i think it's as simple as you know, like a, I don't like a Giroux going up to a guy like a Travis Sanheim in his first couple of years and saying, dude, you're making the same fucking mistake every goddamn game. Fix that shit. Like, that's the level 
that I'm talking about here, which I don't think they do because they don't because that's what Chris Pronger did. And Chris Pronger would yeah. get in his teammates' faces and call them out when they weren't doing things right. And that's uncomfortable. And we don't want to do that because it's gonna hurt Travis's feelings or something like that's the level that I think these flyers are where they don't want to do any of that because it's like, oh, he's being mean to me. He said that I didn't do the play right. You know, like what a bad guy. Like that's it's it sounds simple, but like I've I've played on teams before and on successful teams, not at that level, obviously. But like we did that stuff with each other and it got us better and we were able to, you know, bond, so to speak, and be able to do things and communicate better and play better as a team on the field and whatnot. And uh, that's the kind of stuff that I just don't think these guys want to do. Like, oh, that's the coach's job. They're supposed to tell me how to do it. I'm not going to tell my teammate how to play, you know, like that shit. (laughs) And it's the thing is like, how many coaches can you burn through with the exact same play on the ice? You know, going back to Dave Axel, it's the same fucking thing. Scott Gordon, same fucking thing. A.V., same fucking thing. Mike, yeah, same fucking thing. Like, (laughs) there's one constant here, and it's the players. It's the veteran players, the guys that have been here for six fucking years. Not the coach that keeps getting fired. Not the fucking general manager. That's the one that pisses me off as anything, is goddamn players. Yeah, and Justin Braun, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, those Justin Braun quotes that he had this season and last season. The Dale Weiss interviews that came yeah. out over the past couple of years, some of the rumblings from inside the organization that have leaked out through guys like a Chris Terrian about what the locker room is like. Like this stuff is is coming out and it's we're seeing it on the ice. It's it's just it couldn't be more obvious to me that that the burn down scorched earth approach has to happen because you need somebody has to walk into that flyers locker room and not be influenced by some BS during this era. That's why we were talking about the other week about, you know, anybody who's been here for more than two or three years needs to leave that sort of thing. Cause I want to, I want a new group of people to walk into that locker room fresh and say, look, this is how we're going to run things. And Give give another leadership group a chance to develop and grow and establish their standards in that locker room, not Sean Couturier's standards, not Claude Giroux standards, not the Matt Reed standards, not the JV. Like yep. just yep. that's what we're talking about. Yep, I think Giroux oh, yeah. goes for a first. Ristolainen, I would assume he's out of here at this point. It sure seems like he wants out, so I think you yeah. can get a first for him. Somebody's yep. he's a top four right-handed defenseman. Somebody's gonna pay up for him. And then Jones and Braun, I think, would be your two best chips after that. I don't yeah. think individually they're worth a first. If you package mm. them to somebody like Colorado who could use both of them, maybe you could snag a first. But either, you know, if you break them up, you can get a pair of seconds, maybe a third yeah. or fourth in there. So you get something. You know, That'd they- be good. Man, <clears throat> for those players, that would be a good return for them. Not that I love second-round picks, but – in this particular situation, given you're the Flyers' recouping posture. your value that you gave up for Braun in the first yeah. place years ago. And Jones was, you know, a throwaway goalie that you took a risk on, yeah. and now he got all that value back. So, Yeah. Is there a chance that the Flyers could not – I mean, that Scott Lawton could be moved at the trade deadline? It is kind of a longer salary, but they flirted with that decision last year, and – I think then the first round pick for five fucking years. Yeah, the first round pick was an issue, and if I mean, still it's not, it's a manageable cap hit. It's about yeah. whether the team wants to take on a four year commitment beyond this year, which is, mm. you know, not It's it, it's. I don't think it's impossible. I think if a team is desperate enough for depth, Lawton would be the guy to do it. Just about yeah. you know wanting to commit three year uh, three million dollars per year for four more years to somebody like that. It's, it it mm. seems more like an off season move, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets dealt. Yeah, I. I just don't see why the Flyers can't 
even, you know, I mean, given the ridiculous Sean Couturier contract and the pretty much ridiculous Hayes contract, the Flyers can still, at this point, recoup a lot of first-round picks. You can work around those two. It's not possible. Yeah, it's they can suck, work around it's not it. possible. Like, even a guy like a Cam Atkinson at the end of the season, like, Cam's having a really good year. Like, he probably should have made the All-Star team this year, given his goal production. So, if he continues that through this season, like, I'm not sure why a team wouldn't be interested in him. He only has three years left. He's a little on the older side, I guess, at 32, but he still seems pretty damn fast out there to me. He's very productive. He's a phenomenal team guy. I think Atkinson um, is one of the few people I would hang on to through all of this. He seems like a genuine good human being. Like he's the kind of guy I think I want some of my younger guys learning from. Yes. Over yes. the next few years, I would keep him and probably Ryan Ellis. But beyond that, just like fuck everybody else. Andy's been outspoken in the comments <laughs> about everybody's hanging their heads on the bench. Yeah. Yes. It sucks. Like he's one of those guys, like a Braun, that's been a little bit more outspoken. I can't about... wait to hear a Justin Braun interview in like five years after he retires about this fucking Flyers team, because I think oh, yeah. he's pissed off he's the only mm. one that's been pretty you know very serious about the the bullshit that's gone on here so i can't wait to hear what he has to say on some camas trick podcast in years down the road <laughs> so you know what we covered uh Giroux last week uh for the trade deadline since you mentioned ristolainen on the trade bait board we got jacob chikrin ben Sherratt, on klingberg Klingberg is a right D. Does Ristolainen seem more appealing than any of those three? Or do you think those three for sure are going to fetch first-round picks? Although Klingberg is an expiring deal, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Klingberg's expiring. I think those three are more valuable than Risto, but I don't think that takes away from Risto's value. I mean, that's a top four right-handed defenseman. Those people, you know, that's a guy that's going to get a first-round pick all day, every day, because somebody can use him, you know. As, you know, Klingberg, I believe, is the only other righty in that market there. And I would assume they're, they're probably equal in value, depending on what you're looking for. If you want a little more offense, you're probably going Klingberg. If you want a little bit more, you know, de- defense slash physicality, you're going Risto. But, I mean, Sherratt and uh, Chikrin are huge. Those are two gigantic pieces. I think more of the more reasonable markets. Klingberg is a good rental, and Risto would be a good rental as well. So I would, I, I think those three defensemen are better, but I don't think that you know that that necessarily hurts Ristolainen too much. Um, but no, those are interesting names, Manny. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, like Dan said, I think it really depends on on the needs of the team that's looking to acquire because they're such different players, and I'm not sure that guys with term are going to be dealt the trade deadline either. I just think it's in today's world, the cap implications are just too significant for yeah. teams to figure out how to maneuver around that at a mid season point. Um, so it might just be that Risto and Klingberg, which are still pretty big names to move in the middle of a season. See like the Chikrin one, he's got term. He's got like three years left, 4.6. He's young. He's twenty three, but apparently the asking price. And Arizona is wants your firstborn crazy. child for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And then, like, if you're, I mean, listen, if you're in a playoff picture, I don't see how you can give Arizona that and still be yeah right. the same kind of team. Like, 
you're going to be sacrificing pieces off of your team. Um, Sherratt makes a lot of sense. Somebody will definitely get Sherratt. And then the question remains, like, Klingberg has asked for a trade. He's got no term. He's a free agent. And he's apparently wants, like, an eight-year deal, which I don't like that. That's way too long for that guy. Um, 29, isn't he? Right. So like yeah. he wants a long, he wants like a, a seven or eight year deal apparently. And it's going to be like 7 million per. Hey, Couturier got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, not possible. So like, I don't know. I'm looking at the Risto thing and going like Jacob Chikrin's going to be expensive. Teams aren't going to want to do that. The only team that could do it, it'd be like an Edmonton that needs to do something. And that would be a guy where they would say it'd be easy to justify. We gave up the first round pick and a pretty good prospect or one of our better prospects to land this guy because we need him. Bottom line. Then you look at like, okay, Sherratt, Klingberg. I could see Risto being a, a guy that teams are going to look at yeah. and really want to get. I don't think they'll have any problem moving him if that's what this is coming down to. And so, so like, if, if you theoretically get a top five pick this year, let's say you even take number five or even number six, and then you get another pick for Giroux and another first-round pick for Risto, like, that's already a good building block. Yeah, if you're you, cooking. If you can hit on two of those out of the three, one is probably in the, good. you know, 19 range. The other one's probably in the 25-ish range. Yeah, that's good. You can, you can make, good. Some, make something happen from that. I would and try to probably get him next year, but I don't think that's going to be easy to probably pick away from next season. You may just have to settle for this year. But even still, like, that'd be the way to the do it. It's just get as many fucking first-round picks as you can and hope one of them can fucking figure it out. The interesting uh, team to look at here is I'm looking at Colorado. They don't have a first or a second this year. So if they trade a first round pick for Drew, well, we're getting Alex Newhook from them, haven't you heard? Yeah, I Who don't the think fuck they want to trade Newhook. I don't know. I don't think they're the market for Drew. I, I think they would be far more interested in Braun and Jones than they would Drew. Yeah, I agree. Especially a guy like a Braun, because they already have a pretty set defense. It's just that extra vet, especially in case of an injury, and his cap hits cheap. They can afford it. Braun makes a lot of sense for the Colorado Avalanche. He also makes a lot of sense for Toronto. Yeah. He's cheap. You know what? He's the defenseman, right side. It makes sense. But a lot of people are saying that they don't know if Toronto is going to be adding a lot because they, they, they went balls deep last year and it didn't work for them. So they might want to restock this year, but I don't know, man. Their goaltender is going to be a free agent, I think, at the end of the year, Jack Campbell. And he's going to want some money. So they're going to have to figure out. Maybe it's now or never for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I had them getting Risto in my uh, top five landing spots. Because I feel like they're going to be a desperate team that will look for anybody. I think think what the Flyers need to do is, is liquidate. And then one thing that... I was really complaining about for years when Ron Hextall tried to do this was they never got 
good enough veteran defensemen to kind of usher in the next era on the back end. Yeah. So like what I wanted them to do back then was like, like maybe the second year of the rebuild or something under Hexy was to invest some legitimate resources into bringing in like maybe two really good defenders, not like a McDonald and a Nick Schultz or something, but like, what I don't even know. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, I'd have to go back to that time period, but I remember clamoring for that sort of thing. So I'm thinking like in this particular situation, I think the free agent class in 23 is actually pretty good next year. This year's is not that great. Oh, this next is poor. Yeah. yeah. Next summer's is, is fucking in 23 is like amazing. So like maybe you just suck for the rest of this year, like really just liquidate next year, have a horrible season and then recalibrate through the 2022 draft. 23 draft, um, maybe dip into free agency a little bit, overpay in 23 to bring in some defenders and whatnot um, to kind of give you that better, you know, start that culture over again Holy with those winning shit. veterans. 2023, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Vladimir Tarasenko, Max Pacioretty, David Pasternak, Sean Monahan, Nathan McKinnon, Dylan Larkin, Milan Lucic, Matthew Dumba, Timo Mir... Uh, Jonathan oh. Huberdeau, Jonathan Quick, Duncan Keith, Bo Horvat, Jason Zucker, Jonathan Duran, Patrick Hornquist, JT Miller, Dimitri Orlov, uh, Travis Sanheim, uh, Shane Gossesby. We can fucking get that idiot back. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> like, I would go with. Granted, like most a, of these guys are getting signed, but, uh, yeah. You would assume I would a go few with like of them a Ryan Graves, um, Ryan Graves, maybe a, yeah. Maybe a Matt Dumba, you know, bringing those veteran guys on, like, you know, Three or four year deals or something like that. Defenseman here. Update. Matt Dumba, Eric Johnson, Duncan Keith, Dmitry Orlov, Sanheim Gossespierre, Oscar Clefbaum, Damon Severson, Brian Dumoulin, Jake Gardner, Kevin Shattenkirk, Mackenzie Wieger, Ryan Graves, Travis Hamonic, Eric Cernak, Vladislav Gregkov, Gavrikov. I have no idea who that is. John Moore, Carson Soucy, Radko Gudis, Nick Jensen, Dmitry Kulikov, Justin Hole, Michael Delzato. Michael Delzato still plays hockey. What? <laughs> He's still even listed. Jesus. <laughs> Scott Mayfield. Trevor Van Riemsdyk. We can get the fucking... James can go and we can bring Trevor in. Just to fucking hate my life more. Yeah, there's some interesting... Luke Shen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so certainly better than this year, Jesus. Anyway, I just think the Flyers can afford to just you know keep bottoming out this year and just I don't think you need to worry about like really doing anything yes year or next season, but just lose. I would be totally fine with them losing if they just came forward and said we're going to lose for a little while to be good. Yes, totally. Losing right now just for the sake of losing is horseshit. If they came out and write the letter like they did with the Rangers and be like, hey, guys, uh, we're going to lose uh, for a little while, but we'll be good sooner or later. I, I would at least be bought in. You would have yes, some kind of same. direction. I'd be fine. But like right now, it's just like we're losing and we're supposed to be in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just this rudderless ship, man. It's a rudderless ship analogy that we've used so many times. Like you need to communicate. The front office nurse needs to fucking communicate. Like get a fucking clue. Yeah. I mean, it's nope. just like no one knows what you're doing. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. No. I had no idea. <laughs> this is so bad. Brutal. Brutal, brutal shit. <laughs>
but like, you know, even us just kind of going through this sort of exercise of, you know, thinking about how we potentially do this and how we rebuild it. And like, you know, just taking 30, 45 minutes here, like this is what the flyers need to be doing. They don't need to be thinking about, Oh, Oh, how can we retool by trading this middle six forward for another middle six <laughs> forward? Like, that's what they're doing over there, I think. <laughs> I'm watching the Oilers telecast, and obviously the Oilers have been really bad recently and way below expectations, major problems going on there. And I'm watching it, and all of a sudden they bring on Ken Holland, comes on the freaking program, and is getting absolutely grilled <laughs> by the host in between periods about what's wrong with the team. <laughs> like It's like amazing that... This was going on and, you know, like, you know, some of it's lip service and whatnot. But the fact of the matter is, is like, you know, this guy is coming down from the luxury box upstairs. He's sitting there in front of the home fans on TV yeah. and he's taking the questions. He's taking the hits, trying to explain to people what the strategy is, what they're trying to do. They may be idiots over there in a lot of respects, but like having that kind of transparency and just saying, look, this is what we're trying to do. And I'm going to tell you, like, that's at least a step ahead of the Flyers who sit behind a closed door all freaking year. Dave Scott comes out for four minutes, you know, during a press conference or something. Chuck Fletcher will – Chuck Fletcher's fairly open when he has press conferences, but he would never few go on the Flyers, yeah. you know, like a like an intermission show like that and just talk about the team. Just say, hey, this is what's going on. I'm frustrated too. Like that sort of stuff resonates with people. and It, it keeps people interested. You can't just hide – hide behind this stuff like this team's been doing. So I thought that was a great contrast, you know, to, uh, compared to what we see with the Flyers team. There's just no, there's no, there's no face to the Flyers franchise anymore. You know, that's what Snyder had, and that's why everybody fucking hates it now, because it's corporate. You know, it's Comcast. It's that mythical character of Dave Scott, you know, <laughs> we see once a year for five minutes, and then he stops answering questions and goes, you know. It's, fuck. Like you need you need to mend some bridges here, whether it's through your on ice play yeah. or in the front office, and they're not doing either. Uh, they got to get out there and do stuff. And I know with you know with the whole COVID thing over the past two years, there's been problems. But you think of something like Ed Snyder used to go in the locker room all the time and you know talk. He used, yeah. to, he used to congratulate the players every time they had a win. <laughs> he'd go and shake hands with every player and say thank you for this win, like that sort of stuff. And he'd go to season ticket holder events. He'd meet all the season ticket holders and like you know, like that's the sort of interaction you have to do. And like, there is a COVID thing and I understand that, but they weren't doing this stuff even no, before COVID. No, they weren't doing this. So, so they can't blame that for their lack of interaction with people. There's so much more to it. And it's just like, ah, oh, it's, it's just so awful the way that they don't want to do these things. Um, they want to treat it like, yeah, like they want to treat it like a cable company. Cause that's, that's where Scott came from is, Hey, we interact like this with our cable customers why can't we also interact with the Flyers fans who are our customers? It's the same thing. Yeah. Like, that's how they treat it. And it's not the same thing. Um, it, oh, it's just it's just awful. Uh, I can tell you I'm very happy I'm no longer a season ticket holder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just frustrating. I think. It was so exciting when I got into it, man. It was just like, I was really, and it's funny. Oh, here's also a great point that I wanted to mention with you guys. So you have these people, they're saying, oh, well, if the Flyers suck, they're going to lose season ticket holders and, you know, people aren't going to want to watch them. Like, I am a perfect example to debunk that theory. I became a season ticket holder mostly because 
Ron Hextall had rejoined the organization as assistant general manager because I knew or I thought that there was a guy coming in that knew how to rebuild this team in the proper way. And I wanted to come in and get in early so I could see that process you know that seed get planted and that seed grow into a you know a beautiful flower as Nick Sirianni would put so to speak <laughs> but you know that drew me in when i saw somebody come in that that had a plan that wanted to take this organization to the next level that made me want to give them money and pay attention to them so it's kind of the opposite of their fear that if, oh, well, if we get bad for a couple of years, people aren't going to, you know, want to come to the arena. They're going to get disinterested. No. If you have a plan that people can understand, people will still come yeah. and they'll be more interested. I am the perfect example of why that's true. Yep. You just told me you were going to suck for a few years. Even if it's complete hogwash like the Ron Hextall era. At yeah. least you've got some kind of direction. You're giving an idea to the fans what the fuck your plan is here. Because right now, all we know is a core bunch of fucking suits in an office somewhere with their thumb up their fucking ass not doing anything. You know, with no direction. This team, we're going to flip half the roster in the offseason to make the playoffs, and here we are sitting dead last in the Metro. <laughs> you know, it's like, with no word from anybody as to the plan. You know, no future, no nothing. Just bullshit. See, and that's the thing with the plans, right? Is every most people were on board with Ron Hextall when he started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, vast majority of people. I was. Mm -hmm. The problem was is once you got into year three, and they weren't really making tangible progress. Some people started to question it. Yes, and then say like, "This is bullshit. They're not. They're not getting any free agents. They're getting the." Val Philpolas and the, you know, Ryan Whites and of the world, and they're getting all these other guys, right? And then as more years go by, it became apparent that this was kind of what he's doing. Yeah. He doesn't want the guy over 35, right? He's not going to expend any assets to get anybody. I don't want to give up an asset for a 35-year-old. <laughs> and it was just, it was just draft sign you know free agents after all the big guys are all gone and even the middle guy middling guys are all gone mm -hmm. and then see what happens and it was kind of this we're going to improve via getting experience and getting older with this with this young group but you didn't give them the proper veteran leadership mm -hmm. and surround them and the guys that were there already you, you kept drew and Vorchek and guys like that and it, it was just a haphazard way of building it. That's where you got to literally say, you know what? We're going to suck this year. I think we're going to have at least two first round picks this year. One will be a probably number five ish. Next year, get another one, you know, get one, you know, one or two more next year or another one yep. this year. There, we might get three picks this year. And then if you trade Sanheim next year yep, or in the offseason, that's where you could sit there and go, hey, you got another full year of Travis Sanheim here before he hits UFA. Ooh, got First round man. pick. Well, get in now. And, and if it's a team that is on the – I think is it next year this is last year? Let's see. Next year would be Please. Uh, JVR, Oscar Lindblom, uh, and Sanheim. 
Lindblom's going to be a tough one. But JVR, if you could get a first four. The thing is, JVR ain't going to get you anything. No, No, nothing. And that's the sad. And I I don't want to buy him out. No. No, it hurts far more to buy him out than it would just letting him expire naturally at this point. Keep him, and then you go into the next offseason with that $7 million. Huge, yeah. And hopefully somebody's available and you can be English. So who else can they get? Um, I like your thinking on that, Manny. So in 23, I think at minimum, this in 22, the Flyers should have three first-round picks. Their own from the from the Giroux trade and the Risto trade. I think that is a fair expectation at this point. The following summer, in 23, they will have their own. They should absolutely get one for Travis Sanheim, so that's two. Is there anyone else that reasonably we should expect to be traded for a first round pick. What about Morgan Frost? At this rate, you're not getting shit from no. Morgan Frost. Nothing. Some fourth Nothing. line center? No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Maybe connecting if he can pull his, his head out of his ass long enough, but that's more of an off season move. Cause he's, mm-hmm. he'd still has next summer. He still has two years at 5.5, 5, uh, which is not great for what he's doing. If he could, Play like a competent hockey player, you may be able to up his value a little bit, but I don't know. You got Jesus, Sanheim for sure, but beyond that, you don't really have a lot of super yeah. valuable uh, trade pieces. Unless, unless you go and you do the Provorov thing, you could do mm-hmm. Provorov. Provorov and Konechny and- would be your best bets beyond that. Unless you want to give up on somebody like Fairby already, but he's only twenty one, so I don't, I don't. He's here for the long haul. No, but for them to trade Provorov, I think you need either Cam York or Igor Zamula or even both to be, you know what? We are for sure top four right. left shot D. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of, you know what? It just didn't work. And we need that 7 million, 6.75. I think York will be. This is what really I really be a top pairing defenseman. Potential. He still has potential. I think he's just too. He's he would be very similar to Provorov in the role, though. A guy who's going to eat a shit ton of minutes, but he's going to be very nondescript as a player. I don't think this is an Eric Carlson guy. I don't think you're getting an overly defensive mastermind here. I think you're getting a jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. Very similar to a Sandheim or a Provorov. Zamula, on the other hand, I fucking love me some Igor Zamula, but I'm. This is. We'll have to see how he develops. He's a too early. So this is what I would do. In this situation, in order to get, I would probably trade Provorov next year because I really want to have three firsts in 22 and I want to have at least three firsts in 23. So, what I would do is, I would, if I could only have my own in Sandheim's in 23, I would strongly consider Provorov. At that point, Provorov is what, like 27 years old. He's probably not going to be part of the solution here by the time, you know, we're ready to win, you know, the next generation anyway. That's the thing with Provorov is, is he going, by the time you can put a competitive team on the ice, he's going to be like 30 years old. And it's like, how much does he have left in the tank at that point? You may as well, if you're selling people off, you may as well sell Provorov as well. So let's get, get the timelines right with that so we can get rid of him. And, you know, get at least, obviously, we would get a first-round pick for him. And, you know, even if he stayed, well, he's, he's probably better next year. But anyway, let's assume you get at least first-round pick plus other stuff that gives you three for 23. And then what I would do is you're going to have all that money coming off is I would go kind of crazy 
in free agency in 23, like we were talking about. And I'd bring in guys like a, you know, a Matt Dumba and a Ryan Graves that can work with a York and a Zamula to create a pretty reasonable top four there. Maybe if somebody else hits the market, I have to do a little more research on it to see if we can get a more higher end, you know, one, two veteran in there. But that's kind of how I would play that because then it gives you all of those good chances to have it six first round picks over two years here. That gives you a really good chance. I mean, if you hit on four of those six, that's fantastic. You know, then you're starting to build something in a timeline that makes sense. Um, that's kind of how I would approach it as we're thinking out loud here. Yeah. See, see, and maybe, and maybe the real other thing to do here is, is I think it's more for Giroux than Risto. Although you never know if there's a team saying, okay, I'm going to give you a first round pick and I'm going to give you a conditional pick in case we sign them. But if we don't sign them, you're not getting that pick, but we don't really want to give up that a-list prospect that we have maybe we'll give you like the second or third best prospect we've got mm-hmm. that's when you can sit there and say i'll do it but the pick is going to be next year's yeah not this year's yeah, i'll take your middling draft pick or sorry prospect but it's next year's that i want and that actually that's a good question does a team value next year's first round pick more than they do a top two prospect in their system. Yeah, that's true. I, I think it depends like an on Eastern the Conference team. If you go to Boston, New York, you demand their first round pick from next season versus this year. Because Boston, the there's uncertainty. Yeah. Does 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 Bergeron call it quits? Yeah. How many years does he have left? Didn't his does agent? Rask... What his agent is the guy that just signed in Montreal, isn't he? Yeah. Ooh, yeah, can <laughs> uh, He said he's not playing anywhere other than Boston. Well, we'll see. Money talks, Manny. Yeah, I know. But again, like that's a team where you, a lot of people, like the hockey news and stuff, are like, how many more years does that team have to kick at the can? One? This this might be it. Like if, if Rask, let Kretschy retire, uh, went back to Europe because they couldn't afford him. How many more guys is that going to be? Quite a few. That team, that core, of that team's getting pretty goddamn old. So that's a team where you sit there and go, if the wheels fall off, and you cash in on their pick. Yeah, that's the one that you want. And in exchange, you get a legit run at a cup. Yeah, you get here's true. true. <laughs> yeah. You know, <clears throat> I don't know. And and I kind of get that feeling with St. Louis too, where they're they're still good, but they weren't that good last year. That's why. And I'm Nashville will be getting an interesting that one. Because they weren't supposed to be good, but they are still desperate for their cup. So maybe they'd be willing to. I, I don't know if they'd be willing to sell the farm, but I feel like that would be an interesting team. That they're, they're in the playoffs, ready or not, so they may as well try and make some noise while they're there. So I could see them getting a little desperate if they really felt it. Doesn't uh, Philip Forsberg need a contract, or is that next year? Well, I believe so. It's soon. I don't know if it's this year or next year, but it is coming up. Team. <laughs> and I can already hear Flyers fans saying, that's the guy you want. But I, know. I, I don't know. He's good. And Forsberg is this year. He's good. But see, I want the cap space because if a top line player, like a legit top line player becomes available. And I know Forsberg's kind of a top line player but i think he's on the lower end yes. of the top yeah. line 
I want a guy that like you can say like, okay, this is this is high end skill, and this is we need we need this. Here's nine million a season. Come here. Like if, if that's the way what it takes, then you got to do it. You need your Artemi Panarin through this whole yep. thing. Yeah. I, yeah. And as much as everybody says you can't follow the Rangers model, and I agree, they're not doing anything groundbreaking. <laughs> they're just fucking no. smart. Okay, so they lucked into Adam Fox. But they still had the money in the cap space to tell Panarin. And it, listen, Panarin wanted to go there. Although it came out last week that Vancouver was hot on his heels. And then he saw something that a reporter tweeted. And he basically said, you know what? Forget Vancouver. I'm not going there. I'm oh, going to the Rangers. Sam Carcini's going to cost us a player, isn't he? Yeah. I was going to say, imagine <laughs> imagine some guy on uh, on Flyers Twitter. Appleyard sends- attacks him like he does with <laughs> Nate Thompson. And that's the end of it. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know uh geez there's there's certainly a lot of options here and this is the kind of conversation I, again that i'm hoping is going on with chuck fletcher now and you know it's not it's something i really think if you hit you this know a couple of drafts easy, hard though like this, yeah you can tear this down they're not you know an, an abundance of value here but if you're smart with who you sell and where you sell them to you at least have the infrastructure in place to build through the draft again right Mm -hmm. now whether you hit on those players is a different fucking story entirely but tearing down and putting these the pillars of the rebuild in place should Mm -hmm. be fairly simple at this point (coughs) it's just a matter of they've got the balls to do it or not if you were to tell me that you know this team could liquidate the players that we talked about and are going to get six first round picks over the next two seasons or or two drafts i'd be like yeah Sign me up. And I think that that is actually a pretty reasonable approach here. Like, you know, you have to have confidence that you're going to, even if you hit on three of the six, you know, but at least let's say, let's say you only hit on three of the six, but two of the three are legit studs, which, uh, which you have to have in this. Then you win. Then it's a winner. Then you did fine. Yep. And it's a chance worth taking. If you can guarantee yourself one top line player, and then maybe the other guy's a second line player, that already helps you tremendously. And then the other one maybe is a, a top four defenseman. Yep. All right, I'm like, down with that. And like, you it's better be, than what we got. Yeah, and you can't be scared of trying this out. You know, like you have to have you got confidence. nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, you got nothing to lose. You got to have confidence in your scouting department. Yeah, this goes back to the Bob Clark thing. It's just like that's why you pay these guys. Like we're talking about first round picks here. We're not talking about trying to find a needle in a haystack in the sixth round at a fucking you know God knows what place. It's like we're talking about legit high end talent here. You hire scouts for a reason. They give you recommendations for a reason. You have meetings. You have reports. This is why you have all these people in place. Let's utilize them and actually do this. <laughs> like, it's it's why just, you're paying them. Yeah. What's the point? If you're not going to want to do this ever, which a lot of fans don't want to do because they're scared, then why are you paying the scouts? Just fire them. We can just make trades. We'll just we'll just trade for fucking you know, some other – bottom six winger or something, and then we'll just move on like that, or we'll trade for another fourth or fifth defenseman. Sure, yeah, but it gets you nowhere. Like, you have to, your organization has to be able to pivot to get, to go into this type of era 
figure out how to regenerate and then go into the next phase like we were hoping the Flyers yep. would have done a couple of years yep. ago. It's a, you know, there's different chapters and phases to this, and we got to go back to basics and start over. That's what it is. Yep. Did you see Pronger uh, guzzling the uh, Bud Light in St. Louis? Uh, oh, yeah, man, you had a really retirement? good tweet about that. I think you, like, you tagged the Flyers or something. I thought that was well said. I tagged Pronger, and he addressed it the next day. He's like, I was in St. Louis. It's Anheuser-Busch Bush country. What do you want me to do? And I was like, perfect. He knows his audience. He knows I was like, that team was and everything. It was impressive because he's there having a goddamn party on his retirement night. Meanwhile, the Flyers you know, did the same thing for Holmgren and uh, uh, Tockett a few months back, and it felt like a fucking funeral. <laughs> here we lay to rest the careers of Paul Holmgren and Rick Tockett. Their families are here. Here's a painting here. We're going to hang this in the rafters. Oh, yeah, that's great. Hi, Meanwhile, fucking Pronger's double-fisting beers in his goddamn thing. Like fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin. What the fuck? <sighs> At least he wore a shirt. Yeah. He wasn't just with a towel. That that would have been awesome. But his family was there and all that. <laughs> oh, so ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. That's what happens when you rebuild the Flyers. It waste a lot of time. Yeah. No, this was, this was great. I think we... I mean, the Flyers can thank us. Actually, they can pay us later, you know, that we're going to charge them for this free advice here. Um, We just fucking made your team better. Pay us. (laughs) This is just, yeah, I I just think this is what you need to do. And, you know, even if you got to extend this into 24, fine. It just, just try to load up on first rounders. That's really the whole point of this and hit on them. Yeah. Get some high picks. Fucking hit on them. Don't draft two-way guys and don't draft fucking Uh random nobodies like German Rube, Sub, and Jay O'Brien. Yeah, you know, you, you, if you just draft su- good players, good, obvious players to draft. You'll probably have some kind of <laughs> yeah. success. Like, again, yeah. this isn't fucking rocket science. Just don't be smarter than everyone else uh. in the room. It'll be fine. Well, actually, <laughs> Daniel, according to my uh, heat map chart here, uh, Travis Sanheim is heroic. I saw that tweet and just like, oh, oh my God, <laughs> the meltdown I had after heroic. I saw that tweet. In my living room was just insane. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like he saved it's like he saved children from a burning building. I will never be heroic. able to take anybody that likes Travis Sanheim seriously. I, I just can't do it. God. <sighs> yeah, I don't know if that if that individual I don't know who would describe Sanheim as heroic. You may not have a grasp of the English language or you're living in a cave or something. I'm not sure if that's a very reality in general. Yeah, appropriate uh word to use <laughs> holy heroic what heroic, heroic. What you... <laughs> yeah maybe in a video game but not in reality heroic definition having the courage <laughs> okay fuck off jesus hero <laughs> definition a person who is admired or idolized for courage outstanding achievements or noble qualities yeah, that screams Travis Sanheim. Noble. Yes, noble qualities. <laughs> when these teams are so putrid like this, it's so hard to bet uh, on them. The Flyers lose their 11th straight to the fucking Buffalo Sabres tomorrow. <laughs> but you're right, the Sabres are so bad at home. They're awful at home. Oh, man. You know their Fuck average that. attendance is like 8,000 this year? Yeah, Buffalo? I've... Yeah, on the ESPN thing, they're dead last with eight thousand. 
And that's the number they're publicly admitting, by the way. <laughs> like, it looks less. It's probably lower than that. Yeah. Who is their uh, Who is their play-by-play guy on TV? That old guy. Oh, oh I don't know if that guy's still he? around. Yeah, didn't he? Do no, he is because I was watching a game. I bet on them to lose to the Stars or something, <laughs> and I was watching them the other night, and. Uh, I mean, it was last weekend, and it was that guy, because I'd heard him before. I don't really know who he is, but he's pretty cool. He's this real old-school hockey play-by-play guy. I don't know his name, but uh, I was like, this guy's awesome. The Sabres are dead last in attendance with 8,595. Second worst is Ottawa with 10,700. <laughs> Over 2,000 difference between the two, and that is the number they are publicly admitting to. Which means it's probably a whole lot worse than that. So that tells me two things. That tells me, number one, people are kind of getting sick and tired of the futility of the Sabres. I would. But the second second thing is you're probably getting significant numbers of fans from Ontario and that border. If if Canadians aren't allowed to go over, that's not good news for the Buffalo Sabres. Mm -hmm. Like, that's at least a thousand fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like minimum. Where are the Flyers at right now? Oh, 25,000. 25, They're at uh, 17,354 is the average. Which I, mean, I can't believe that's are, true. From 17 to 8, there is about a 900 difference. So it's all, you know, hit in between there. But they're out of the top 10. There is no way that the Flyers have had that they're averaging 17,000 plus a night. No, they're no. averaging half that, right? Now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're probably, like, around, I don't know, between like 10 and 13 a yes, night. That'd be my guess. Yeah. 10,000 or so. Well, but if you use standard deviation and if you add up all the attendances for the last 30 years uh-huh. and then average it out, then it works out to about 17,000. So that'll actually work. According to when my was graph last time here. the flies were out of the top 10 in attendance? Is this like a regular thing? Well, they were 12 in 1920. That, that must include the scouts from the other teams that are going to look to fucking vulture the flyers. <laughs> Who the fuck is going to these games? They were in third it's place like... in 1819. 20,000 people. Third place. Number six. And when did Gritty show up? Was it the year five, after that number three? Four. I mean, uh, they've been in the top five or six 18, all maybe. these years before recently. Now they're not even in the top ten anymore. Well, that's actually significant that they can't fudge the numbers that much. So When did Gritty show up? I couldn't even tell you off the top, man. I th- was it fall 18? <clears> hmm. <throat> like September 18? I'm just guessing. But September I think... 24, 2018. So it was right. 18-19 season. Which was third place for the Flyers. They were third that year. And then 1920, they went down to 12. And then this year, they're at currently at 11. So, they and they're still using they're, they're yeah. still using the same oil in the Flyers. Yeah, probably from that season. God, it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> That smell, oh my god. It's like in multiple parts of the arena. One thing that I noticed when I went I went to that Colorado game was like, and I think I mentioned this to you guys, was the amount of children that were there that like 
I think just people just take their little kids um, just because they're like, well, it's something to do, so we're just going to take the Flyers game. We don't really care what the team is doing. I would assume that's most of the people that are left are just families looking to have a, you know, one night out and go see Gritty or something stupid. There's no way people are there to actually watch the goddamn Flyers. Well, and especially if those numbers on the secondary market are to be believed where people are getting rid of tickets for like $30. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah. That's when a family of four can say, yeah, you know what? We can actually go. Like, they're not going to go if it's 80 to $120 no. a ticket. No, they're not. Um, and it's like, you know, there's enough of those fucking people that take their kids that they're always going to have, like, some base there. Because, like, they go down during warm-ups to watch the players and, like, they might throw a puck over the glass or something. Uh, you know, that sort of shit. But, yeah. you know, ideally that would stop. Kids don't be able to take their kids there, but it's like, I mean, the kids don't have a fucking idea what's going on. They're like no. between just a, Better when Bra Lady was throwing her stuff on the ice. A little bit more risque. What I fucking wouldn't give to watch Braden Shen play hockey again. (laughs) (laughs) Not swinging Eichel's was a huge mistake. Yep. I would have given them whatever the fuck they wanted for Jack Eichel. I was so, like, God, just, we were beating that drum. Like, just. I was. I wrote two pieces about it. Yeah, I mean, this is just like, how come we're calling all these fucking shots on this team, and like everything we're calling, not everything, but like a lot of things. Difficult either. Like, you need a young, legit center for your team right now. Jack fucking Eichel just got traded. Like, God, man. Can't trade Travis Konechny. Went for fucking nothing. Connecting as first round produ- uh, first line production though. God, they were Can't talking last night in the broadcast about like, oh, you know, Voracek is lining up with Patrick Lyon, and I'm like, he could have done that here for two or three years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's like, God, man, I hate this shit. All the just, fucking uh, mistakes <laughs> are ridiculous. Which is annoying. So, but anyway, all right, guys, we'll have a good weekend. Have a good night. Uh, and uh, and we'll chat soon. Yep, right. for yeah. sure. You too, okay. Dan. You too, Mike. Yep. All right, Have see you, man. Night, guys. See you, Dan. Good, Thanks, night. Bye. good show.